pull out our Bibles and uh, turn to 1 Peter. You probably have it up behind me here. The sermon is called Diamonds in the Rough, 1 Peter 2.5. And uh, if you'd like to stand, um, that'd be great. Why don't we all read it out together? And uh, here we go. You're already there? 1 Peter 2.5. Ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we're here this evening. We're here this evening to just study Your Word. And, and Lord, that uh, we pray that the, um, what You've put on my heart to, uh, to bring here this evening will uh, help us, help me, help everyone here present, just to um, relate better to one another. As, as lively stones should as we come together to, to build this house, this, this body for you, Lord, that uh, all things be done for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So as you can see, yeah, I'm sorry. You may be seated. Everybody else just sounding. Um, I don't know, do, if I have it up there, of course, you can see I've got my little diamonds up there. Um, that's my world, of course. I, I, you know, I, I work with diamonds. Um, and if you're a lady here, you can look at your hand if you've received a stone. But uh, did you know that before a diamond ever even hits the store, you know, a lot of times we see them there and we sort of take it for granted that it's just there. And, uh, and, it, and, and sometimes before the diamond even gets to the store, it can take years and years and years of research to to find where a diamond may be located, whether it's in an old volcano or whether it's on an ocean shore where something washed out. So whether they have to dig for it or use water to wash it away, um, sometimes it takes half a decade just to research where stones may be. And these companies, of course, they're number crunchers. It's all about profits. Um, they'll crunch those numbers and, and calculate those odds and and if the odds look right, then they start, they put together a mining company to start mining in that area. And uh, sometimes after, you know, tens of thousands of man hours and, and in some cases millions and millions of dollars um, to start this mining project, they will still never have any assurance of what quality, you know, they may take a sample, but they'll never know for sure until they really get started, um, what quality of diamond will come out or, or, or any. Uh, idea of how significant the amount will be. They may have a run of a whole bunch of ugly stones, or they may have a whole bunch of good ones that come out, but they certain, still never have any idea. They can only project, hopefully, what will, what will come out of this mine. And um, on average, it takes about 20 tons of dirt, and if it's in a volcano, an old volcano, it's called kimberlite, to find a one-carat stone. And uh, if you're familiar with diamonds, if you're a guy who's had to buy one, if you've received one as a gift, you're a lady, if maybe you bought one for yourself. Um, diamonds come in all rarities, all qualities, all sizes. And those two back there, you guys are getting married, so, you know, you need a diamond. No, I'm kidding. Anyway, that's not what this is about. Um, <laughs> shapes, you're not paying for it. Dalton's not paying for it. <laughs> diamonds, diamonds come in, of course, all shapes, sizes, purities. Um, some have uh, large spots in them, you can see, obviously. Some have so many inclusions, they're not even, in some cases, uh, pretty. Um, 
but here today in today's market, you know, just to give you an idea, uh, the ranges that diamonds come in for a one carat stone, I can get one for as little as 900 or as much as 20,000. And that means from what I would consider would be very ugly to one that would be rare. It doesn't necessarily mean it's more beautiful, but it's extremely rare. Um, when we think about this as, as each other, as, as lively stones, well, let's come back. I mean, if you receive one as a gift, if you're a lady and you've received a diamond or something as an engagement ring, um, if you're a man, maybe you've purchased something for yourself, or maybe you received something from your father, or maybe your wife has purchased you something. Maybe you don't have one at all, but if you do have one, of course, of course in, in most cases, you don't really care about the scientific details. You don't really go into all the rarity. I mean, if you've received one, it's, um, it may be a high grade, it may be a low grade, it, 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 it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter at all. It was a gift. You know, and that, I think that would carry over, not just with, with stones, but that would carry over with a lot of things. You know, it's, 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 it's something I received, so it has a, a special moment or a special something attached to it. Um, if we think about this another way, you know, in, in the worldly sense, of course, there's a mining company, but if we think about God... And God is the CEO of a mining company, you know, a soul-saving, spirit-reviving, life-giving mining company. God, he's in charge of the mine, but he's also the lead miner. And unlike any number-crunching, bean-counting, worldly company, God isn't really worried whether or not he's going to find someone, because he knows where they all are. He could point them out to us if he so chose. And that's because he put them there. He knows exactly where they are, and he wants us to bring his message to them. If we uh, go to Ephesians, a lot of you have read this verse, of course. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. Or in 2 Thessalonians 2.13, but we are bound to give thanks Always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. I mean, He knows where we are. He's put us there. He's the one who pulls us out of the ground, makes us lively stones. There's other stones out there, but they're not lively. He makes us lively. He's the perfect CEO. He doesn't need to waste money researching, x-raying the territory. He doesn't need to waste money downloading satellite photos. He knows where his children are. Jesus, the God-man, knows where to find his children. In 2 Timothy 2, 1, 9, it says, uh, Who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose, and grace which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. If you'd like to turn with me in John 9, 1 through 7. Here Jesus is finish, finishing dealing with the Jewish people in the temple. Scribes and Pharisees where he has to escape. In John 1, 9, 7. Right before that in, in John eight fifty nine, You'll see that he was just about ready to be stoned. They took up stones to cast at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. I have no idea what it would be like going through the midst of people who were just going to stone me. 
I don't know if any of you have read about stoning, but in the Middle East, they take stoning very serious. They usually don't use little pebbles. They use very large stones because they really want to hurt you. Jesus went out through the midst of these people and so passed by. You know, God has powers. I don't know how he hid himself from them, but he went right out through the midst of them. But as he's doing this, in John 9, 1, you'll notice, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. Without any delay. I mean, he's going right through the midst of people. As he passes by, and in the next verse, John 9, 1, and as passed by, he sees this guy. Like laser beams, his eyes were on this man. He knew he was there. He finds his diamonds every time. How about the selection of the apostles? Did he go around searching and pleading and begging for people to follow him? I know you've read most of these verses. You know that's not true. He straightforwardly told people to follow him. He said to follow me. In Matthew 4.18, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And straightway they left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in a ship with Zebedee their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And immediately they left the ship and their father and followed him. In Matthew 9, 9, as Jesus passed forth from thence, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom, and he saith unto me, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. Christ knows where his children are. He tells us to go out and spread his message, and they will follow As I was writing this down and breaking everything out, I started to think, which is not quite part of my message, but how much is a sad sad thing today that preachers in in today's world will write a sermon about an emotional message telling some story, pulling on your heartstrings to get some sort of emotional response, implore you, beg you, Cry. Do all sorts of things to elicit this response, to make you turn and beg Christ for salvation. I'm not sure if there's any example of this in the Bible. I've read and and I haven't seen it yet. But what I do know is that God does want us to bring His message. I don't need to stand up here. Pastor doesn't need to stand up here. Tell some sad story about somebody far off. Those are great stories. But we're supposed to bring God's message, God's story, Christ's story. And God will do the work. The Holy Spirit will do the work. I don't need to use psychology. Pastor doesn't need to use psychology. My my message tonight isn't about witnessing, and it's not necessarily about salvation. I really want to just show you that God has put us here together. Whether just for now, some of us move away. Or whether it's here until the end, whatever that may come. God chooses them, chooses those stones, those lively stones. Chooses them, his children, 
you, me, us, all of us together. And we get to fellowship together. We get to build this house, or if you'd like to look at my analogy, this ring, Christ being the center stone, all of us being little lively stones surrounding that center stone. How much value do we put on an object such as a diamond, albeit rare, beautiful, natural forming, such as a diamond? But what about valuing our brothers and sisters? Let me tell you, as years have gone by, and you get to meet people, and you get to fellowship with people, you get to hear things, and you get to know more about people. And I'm a problem, too. I mean, I think, you know, we have to look inwardly when we have these conversations. But I'm as big of a problem as anybody is. And I'm saddened by some of the acts of some of our family members. We're starting this new year. We're just at the beginning of January. Coming into February. My wife's birthday is today. Um, and I'd like to see us start off on the right foot. Go back to those times. Go back to those times when I remember just a few years back that a new person could come into this church and people would come out of the woodwork talking to them, inviting them, getting them involved. I'd like to see us start off on the right foot. And sometimes I think that we act like little children, really myself included. We may not always say things directly to each other that are condemning, but we will in private mention those things to other people. My children, Gareth's first day in church here today, they're young enough to know and they haven't learned when to keep them things to themselves. <laughs> and in fact, they kind of look for things to get each other in trouble or to berate one another. A week or so back, I'm sure Gareth is sleeping in the back now, a week or so back, Gannon came running into the kitchen and mentioned that Gareth was doing something wrong. I see, I kind of think this stuff is funny in a way. Um, <laughs> I don't even remember what Gareth had done, what was wrong, but the funniest thing that came out of Gannon's mouth right away was, is brother going to get a spanking? <laughs> I mean, we sometimes act like this towards each other. I mean, pastor will have somebody come into his office, and they'll complain about somebody else. And I believe firmly, Dalton brought it up last week, and he was talking about it, and he, you know, we talked about church discipline. Sure, I believe firmly in church discipline. But I also believe before we start bringing things up, we should look at ourselves. Really. I, I, I'm sure pastor doesn't like to hear about it, and he's not going to go out spanking anyone. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we do, we do. We, we all act like this towards each other. So, how many times have you recently pointed out the inadequacies, inefficiencies, failures of outright wrongs of any brother or sister? I'm sure I could count. I could probably count a whole bunch. How many times have you tattletailed? Have you gossiped about one another? How about berating one another? A couple of days back, Gareth and Gannon again were sitting in the back of the van. Right now I only have one car, so Sheila gets to come pick me up three days, twice a week. How many days? It doesn't matter. Um, 
Gareth and Gannon usually start off by telling me about their day. So as I'm unloading, they're yelling stuff up front, and I've got to slow down and start to listen. And uh, Gannon starts to inquire about where a ball is that he just received. And immediately, booming right out of his mouth, and as it comes right out of the side of the car, Gareth, Gareth starts telling Gannon that um, you threw a temper tantrum. And he must have said it like three or four times just to get Gannon's attention because Gannon's not listening. But he's hammering this point home. You threw a temper tantrum. See, Gannon? We left it behind. See what happens when you throw a temper tantrum? How many times have we done things like that to each other? We point things out. My kids do it. You know, I think it's kind of funny, but it's not. I mean, how many times have we talked about someone's clothes, hair, or in my case, lack thereof, language, work in a ministry, organization, intelligence? How many times have we been critical and voiced our opinion? I could do better than that. I've done that myself. I mean, I, who hasn't? We shouldn't do that. Or things like, I don't know why they do that. And in 1 Corinthians 15, 33 which Dalton used in his sermon, be not, de- be, not, be, be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. And in Matthew 24, 12, and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. The cool thing about 24, 12 is, is that if the love of many shall wax cold, it can also wax hot. So we can swing back the other direction. God has placed us all here together, pulled us, pulled us as stones right out of the dirt. We're now all lively stones. We should be excited when a person comes into our church and visits us, or rejoice when a person receives Christ. And just as well when someone transfers in for church membership, God is working. And God is placing us here together. In 1 Thessalonians 3.12, And the Lord maketh you to increase and abound in love toward one another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. To the end, he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father at the coming of Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. How about valuing your brother and sister Or better yet, about all the times it talks about charity, how about loving your brother and sister? Diamonds are impure. Diamonds like these, as you see, they need to be fashioned, cut. They're left in the ground, nothing happens to them, they're worthless. Brothers and sisters, each of us needs to come together and recognize the fact that we all have different amounts of flaws. We're all in different shapes. We're all different qualities, and God is reshaping us every day. Once we are saved, we are sanctified, and like being polished to become more beautiful, we will become more bright and look toward heavenly things. In Colossians 3.1, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on the things above, not on the things of earth, for ye are dead, 
and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. There are 19 verses in the Bible to specifically state for us to love one another, not including all the ones about charity. Here are a few you, you most know. In John 13, 34, a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. In Romans 12, 10, be kindly, affection one toward another, with brotherly love, in honor, preferring another. For brethren, this is Galatians 5, 13, for brethren ye have been called under liberty, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. And in 1 Peter 3, 8, finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful and courteous. Brothers and sisters, let us start this year not seeing flaws, spots, and blemishes. Let us pray that God tries us and polishes us so that we can be better used for his glory. Let us rejoice in each other as we are the gifts that have been given to one another. I feel like my sermon should be longer as I stand here, as we look at time and, and uh, some of the sermons we have go on for a half an hour and 20 minutes doesn't seem like very long, but what more do I need to say? I think we really should be looking towards each other and ignoring the flaws that each of us has. We're all in different progressive stages growing with Christ. We all need to lean on each other. We all need to help each other. We all need to fellowship with one another. And that's my message this evening. So why don't we all pray? Dear Father, we pray that this message this evening was uh, of some benefit to someone here, Lord, including myself, that uh, this message here was brought to, to edify us, if not just to recognize where we need to be closer to each other as we together here build your body. Lord, uh, of course, this message was not geared towards salvation, but um, Lord, if there's someone here that uh, does not know you or know, know your word, Lord, that uh, you would just touch their heart this evening from what we've talked about, that you would change them, Lord, that you would pull them out of the ground and Take them from being just a plain stone to a lively stone. And Lord, that you just bless us this evening. In Jesus' name, amen.